0: hey everybody this is joe langworthy here again with another episode of tailgate talk a six column sports podcast with my co-host thomas wolfel Uh, this is episode 10 so we've hit double digits and we're still going so
1: i guess that means something good right Yeah, I mean we got massive amounts of listeners these days, and uh, you know it's just a lot of fun. Right, exactly. (laughs) So we might have hit double-digit listeners on a couple of (laughs) these. So yeah, well I've been paying my family to watch. (laughs) Right, right.
0: I can't even pay my wife to listen. So, um, (laughs) all right. So today was the uh, what a lot of people think is the unofficial start. Of football season. Um, it is Monday, July 17th, as we're recording this. I will probably post this on Tuesday so you won't hear it on Monday. But today it was shot at Media Day um, down in Nashville. Uh, it's not in Alabama anymore, or it's not always going to be in Alabama anymore. And it's in Nashville this year. And mm-hmm. Mizzou was down there with LSU and AM, I believe. And uh Coach Drinkwitz, uh Javon Foster, Darius Robinson, and Chris Abrams Drain went down there. And I think the best news out of Media Day is that nobody
1: cares that Mizzou was there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That uh there were certainly no big waves this year. At least there haven't been to this point, not that I've seen. And uh, right. that's not been the case at recent media sessions. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, I don't think I
0: I didn't listen to his his uh, press conference live or anything, but I haven't seen any misrepresented quotes
1: from Coach Drink. So, um, you know, that's, that's well, it good. Was, it was during my uh, time of you know time of work, uh, so I uh-huh. certainly wasn't listening. Right, wink, wink. Uh, but no, he, let's, there let's was be no, honest. Your boss doesn't <laughs> listen to this podcast. <laughs> there, uh, there, there definitely didn't. There were not any quotes that he was very straightforward with quotes, and they were fairly short. He talked. Um, he came out of the gates. He literally gave position by position roster breakdown. To the point where there was only enough time for like three or four questions at the very end. Total veteran move. He decided basically, and he even said at the end, "I'm, I was." He said he was upset that he had left enough time for questions because his goal was to stay off of Twitter, uh, or stay out of. You know, didn't want to be trending on Twitter, and so he, his go. goal was to talk his entire session. I think they ended up asking like three or four questions at the end, so he didn't quite accomplish the goal, but uh, he he spoke for a very long time and didn't say much of anything. There right. are a couple of different so. things I think that we could probably pull from it, but um, nothing that is going to be on national media, that's for sure. Yeah. So, what was
0: your biggest takeaway? What was your uh, what do you what do you want to talk about about what he said
1: or oh, about, about what
0: anybody said? <laughs>
1: um, well, I've got I got kind of three things that I've got here. Okay. Um, one is probably smaller. It's not going to matter a whole lot, um, but it was just kind of interesting just because the, the way kind of the coaching staff has changed over the years. Uh, it sounds like uh, Eric Link, the mm-hmm. special teams guy and tight end guy, I think, you know, we've kind of mentioned that he might be on the hot seat if the tight ends don't get things turned around. It sounds yep. like, um, it sounds like Drinkwitz is going to take over uh, kick returns and, um, Mm-hmm. With chance, with uh, is it Chance Looper? I think is the is the coach, the dad, or is that uh, his son? the son? Is coach chance. Looper. And... Um, why can't Curtis Looper is Curtis the, Looper? The yes. Okay. So so him and Curtis Looper are going to kick returns. Uh, I think someone else. I forgot who it was is going to do kickoffs, which basically means Link is going to have field goals, punts, and tight ends. So I think they're taking more off of his plate to allow him to focus probably more on the tight end room. And if they don't get, he doesn't get that figured out. I would say, um, at the end of the year, he's probably gonna, probably gonna be in trouble. Um, I thought that was just interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. Then it's the, the two bigger items. Um, one, and we can talk about these in either order. But one, um, I I really do think the quarterback competition is much more open than I anticipated. Um, and then. Two, it sounds like the, the two big winners of the offseason, so to speak, um, were the offensive lineman uh, Mimbao, I think is how you say his last name, or Mimbo, and mm-hmm. then uh, Johnny Walker. So um, those are kind of the, the two major takeaways, I think, and, um, you know, we can start with uh, with the quarterback talk. I, I know we had a quarterback session last time, but, um, you know, yeah. his, his comments on quarterback were, were pretty clear that it's open. It's open to be taken.
0: Yeah and I think that his his comments were kind of predicted um I think you know he said Brady Cook goes into the goes into camp number 1 but he's going to have to hold everybody off and I think that that is you know Brady Cook is setting the floor that's where we're at he is the floor because you know what you get with Brady Cook um the worst exactly what he was last year get an average sec quarterback and so we're starting there if brady cook has jumped up he he you know can hold on to the job if he if he's jumped up but you know
1: drink is saying
0: horn and and garcia both can can come in and and dethrone him Know what we have in Brady Cook, so we're gonna, you know, start off with him. Because at the worst, we're gonna get SEC quarterback play, which I understand that strategy, and I think that that's smart. And I think that um, you know, I I don't mm-hmm. think I've hidden my my I don't have a bias towards Brady Cook necessarily, but I have a I'm defensive of him because I think he gets. He gets unnecessary flack from um from Mizzou fans a lot of times. But you know, I hope Sam Horn comes in and takes the job away from Brady Cook because Sam Horn has earned it. Um and you know, and, and yeah. obviously the ceiling is higher with Sam Horn. Um because, you know, he he is clearly the the better talent, you know, bigger arm, you know, faster. I don't know if he's a better runner really, but he's faster. He's can throw farther with more accuracy. Um, it's just going to come down to, I think it's yeah. really going to come down to what's between the ears. Like that's, that's it. That's really what what
1: it is. Yeah. Um, well, one, one interesting thing that he had, I know he was one of the few questions that he ended up taking was about what he was looking for in a quarterback. And um, the answer to that kind of perked my ears up a little bit um, because he was kind of – he was basically referring to um, uh, Cook without really mentioning – without saying his name. But he said that basically the offense is going to require a quarterback that can throw outside of the numbers and Mm -hmm. downfield. And – And then he even goes on to say, he says, last year the offense really struggled with that, and part of it might have been injury, part of it might have been protection, I think was the term he used, but that was something the offense wasn't able to do enough of last year, and the quarterback this year is going to have to be able to do that. So, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think what he's basically saying there is, one, probably uh, Cook didn't have enough time to allow those routes to open up. (laughs) That that is true. And also, he probably didn't quite have the arm strength to get it there as quickly as Drink would have liked. That's right. probably where the comment about injuries is, you know, coming to play because obviously he had a shoulder injury. It's tough to tell how much that played into how much or how, you know, little zip he had on the ball. And if his, um, you know, if he gets added arm strength after his shoulder gets repaired, then maybe that's a throw he can make and he's the guy. Yeah, um, If his shoulder doesn't, doesn't come back as strong as it was, and he struggles with that throw, then I think probably Sam Horn's going to be the quarterback. Um, so it, it was just kind of interesting because that's, uh, you know, deep passes and outside of the numbers were, I would say definitely not a huge part of the offense last year. It sounds like right uh, maybe Kirby Moore wants it to be. And that it sounds like that's going to be a big part of who wins the quarterback job. So I think it's open. Like you said, I, I can't imagine us not playing two quarterbacks in week one, but, um, yeah. it, it, it sounds l- like it's a legitimate competition. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, last year it was a competition, but you know, it sounds like they pretty much knew after the summer that a horn wasn't going to be ready because it only took them a week to preseason to, um, make that announce or, you know, a fall camp to make that announcement. Whereas this year, it sounds like, um, you know, it's going to be a legitimate, um, mm-hmm legitimate competition so we'll see
0: it sounds like it sounds like horn had some adjustments to to make uh you know personally which i think is no surprise uh you know i'm sure you and i both had adjustments to make and we weren't d1 athletes you were a you know d3 athlete right
1: Uh, d2 come
0: on oh d2 sorry (laughs) um but you know uh there was adjustments from high school to college. And, you know, Sam Horn, we forget, is type one diabetic. And it's probably mm-hmm. the first time he was managing that kind of stuff on his own. On his own, um, yeah. And so he had some adjustments to make. And he was – the 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 rumor I've heard is that they were – his family was completely fine with him registering last year and giving him time to adjust. And so, you know, hopefully he comes out and takes the world by storm. And, you know, we have a Johnny Manziel – freshman heisman winner kind of situation again
1: yeah
0: we'll see you know what
1: and and you real quick too um cook i mean and this is a positive for him if he gets beat out he's not the type of kid that's going to shut down and quit paying attention he's the type of kid that's going to continue to push whoever the starting quarterback is if he's not the starting quarterback and if there's an injury or things go awry he will be ready to play so that's you know that's a that's a um you know, that's a compliment to his character and I think how he would handle it. So, um, you know, that's not to say he won't end up being the starting quarterback, but I do think that if he gets beat out, he's the type of kid that um, can put it aside and show up every day and work his butt off and be ready for his opportunity. So, right. uh, It's a very good situation.
0: Very good situation for us either way, because if Cook wins out, we have a a quarterback with some experience. If Sam Horn wins out, we have uh, a talented quarterback and then we have a quarterback with experience backing him up. So, you know, win, win either way. Yeah. But, but like you said, we, we talked about that, so we don't need to spend a whole lot of time on it. We talked about that in previous episodes. So, um,
1: you know, any, any other thoughts from media day that you want to touch on? The the last one is just that, like I said, Walker and Mimba were both mentioned as kind of the two guys that it sounds like won the off season. I think mm -hmm. that's important because, you know, offensive line is a place we struggled and, um, adding somebody to the line that's good is going to be very helpful. And then the other thing too is Ish McGuire had eight and a half sacks last year. So if Johnny Walker can, you know, step in, and I think he had two, if he can step in and have eight or nine sacks, then you're going to have a defensive line. That's not, you know, not only not going to take a step back, they'll take a step forward. And I think that's important. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, Mimbo is the guy that decided about on the offensive line. Um, I think he's he was – I don't know. I don't know if clearly the most talented is the right way to say it because I think Trevon Foster would have something to say about that. But, you know, knowing that Membo was a freshman last year and Foster was more experienced, it was clear that those two guys were, you know, strengths of the offensive line. And so seeing him with another year of experience, I think he could be he could be something special. And then, yeah, like you said, Johnny Walker, position of need on the defense. Um, and so, yeah, would love to see production out of him. Somebody on Power Mizzou, it was just a poster, so I have no idea if they're legit or not. But said he's up to – the rumor is he's up to 265. So, you know, that's SEC defensive end size. Yeah. So, especially if he's maintained his speed. And he has, the like, one of the best names, you know, Johnny Walker, like, <laughs> That's, I guess they can't have NIL deals for alcohol, but if they could, that's, you know, perfect. Um, So just really hoping, hoping he has success and hoping that it, he has success on the edge so that we, you know, I think another thing that was said today was Darius Robinson um, has been playing both edge and D tackle Granted, we have a lot of depth on the the interior defensive line with, you know, Christian Williams and Jaden Jernigan, but I'd really like to see Darius Robinson on the inside. Um, yeah. And, and allow uh, him to, you know, wreck the place in the yeah. interior uh, of the line and, and let Johnny Walker and, and Gaddy and those guys – Um, kind of feast on the outside DJ Westlack I guess is back out on the on the edge um, Mm -hmm. where he had been he had been moved to linebacker but he's now back so yeah Yeah, I just want somebody to step up there and I think if Johnny Walker is a prime candidate
1: to do that and it's I think that's a really good thing absolutely and we'll have a defensive line episode too but I think Robinson I wouldn't be surprised to have him see him in a you know, he's going to probably be playing a position based on the down would be my guess. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but if, if Johnny Walker can be the dude on, uh, you know, whether that's the left side or the right side that you can plug and play and know he's going to be a threat to, you know, get a sack or two uh, that's a, that's a huge help because it takes away a big question mark. Right.
0: So, yeah, I think that kind of covers media day. Um, you know, we'll, we'll probably get into that a little bit more again on our next episode, just because, um, you know, give us time to digest what was said a little bit more. I don't know if we can uh glean any insights from anything else, but um yeah we'll we'll kind of move on. I think the other news that we wanted to talk about before we got into our position preview was uh the addition of a former tiger to the coaching staff, uh Evan Bame, who's a former offensive lineman uh was hired. Uh, I think last week at some point or it was announced that he was hired last week uh, as the I think he's the assistant director of player personnel and recruiting. So going to be helping in the recruiting aspect. Uh, Big. Big time. uh, Part of uh, Mizzou's some of Mizzou's best offensive lines ever back in 2013, 2014. Um, I like to say that I helped recruit him because I was an offensive line student assistant the year he committed so probably the reason he came to mizzou probably probably he he pretty much ignored me on his recruiting visits which was fine i didn't (laughs) but i i did meet him and kind of get to know him a little bit um that spring um i can't remember if he might have actually been an early um an early enrollee and actually been there that spring that i worked there but um you know i'm not we're not friends or anything i'm not saying that but from what I remember about him, he's a really good, good guy. Um, you know, I, I remember hearing a lot of stories about him taking care of his teammates throughout college and, um, you know, really cared about people. So I think he's a really good addition. Um, you, you want good, good people on your coaching staff. And I think uh, it's probably not a coincidence that the, you know, number one player in the nation is from Lee Summit. And we hired. One of the most successful football players from Lee Summit to be on our staff. Um, You know, uh, Evan played in the NFL for a few years, so he, you know, he's not on the same side of the ball as as Wanery, but he knows what it takes to get to the league. And I think that those are stories he can share with that kid, and you know, hopefully help him stay home.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, anytime you can get a a former, you know, student athlete, a former football player that had a success, you know, obviously with Mizzou, and um, got had a cup of tea really with in the in the NFL. Um, someone that's excited to, you know, come back and help out. You know, obviously the school he went to, I think, is a positive. He's going to be able to connect quite a bit, I think, with the kids, probably more so than um, you know some of the guys on the coaching staff, even probably. Right. And you know, hopefully, help the offensive line get their act together. Um, you know, whether he can get, you know, the five-star uh, recruit to show up on campus, if he can uh, take the defense or take the, help take the offensive line from where it was last year, even just to like an average SEC offensive line, that's a uh, that's a good hire. So, uh, right, I think he's he's got to be excited. And anytime, like I said, anytime you get someone that went to Mizzou and is excited to be at Mizzou. Um, back on staff it, it can't hurt um, and it'll probably help with recruiting too like you said I mean obviously the connection with Williams uh, Nwanary I think is how you said his name um, is positive but also anybody in the state that shows up and um, sees him excited about his his program that's going to be a positive too yeah exactly so I think it's really cool that Drink did that and
0: hopefully you know Maybe in 20 years, we're talking about Evan Baim as a head coach, you know. Um, you never know. You never know. But, yeah, so the last last time we did our quarterback preview, which I think might be the position with the biggest question mark. I think tight end might, might give them a run for their money. But, um, you know, definitely on that end of the scale in terms of, of uh, nobody really knows what's going to happen. So we thought we'd switch sides of the ball and go to the position where it's most set in stone. I mean, I think one, two, and three are pretty set in stone. There's not really anything that anybody can do to dethrone these guys, um, and that's the cornerback position. I think, uh, you know, with Chris Abrams' drain at the one, uh, Enos Rakestraw at the two, and Drayden Norwood at the three, I think, you know, those are your three cornerbacks. You know, when you go to nickel and you bring in an extra cornerback, Draden Norwood's coming on the field. Otherwise, it's gonna be Chris Abrams, Drain, Rake's draw on the field pretty much, you know, probably not every snap, but pretty close to every snap. And I think that talent wise, maybe you maybe you disagree with this, but talent wise, it might be position on on the field for us because I think both uh, Abrams, Drain, and Rake Straw, and maybe even Norwood, could have got drafted last year. You know, or this year had they left. Um, so, and and all three of them will play in the NFL, or at least get a shot at the NFL. I, it's not a sure sure enough thing, but um, I think Abrams Drain might go first round. You know, he's he's that kind of talent. I think Rake Straw has the ability to be up there, and I think season Norwood could too, but. What are what are your thoughts on what are your general thoughts on the cornerback position before we jump into looking at individuals a little more?
1: Uh, I, yeah, I mean it was definitely a position last year. Uh, obviously, the defense was a strength. The Cornerback was um, very solid. Uh, I think probably last year we might have lacked a little bit of depth at the position. Um, but look now, you like you said, Chris Abrams, Drain Enis, Reichstraw, Norwood. Those are three guys that are returning that all have a ton of talent. Um, I think uh, the other guy's name, Clark, um, out of, from Miami. Uh, oh,
0: Clark, he actually,
1: yep, yeah. yeah, he played a little bit towards the end of the year, got his feet wet. So you're going to have four guys with experience, uh, you know, ready to play. Clark was the one who he transferred like real late, right? He transferred like in the middle of fall camp. It took him a couple of weeks, I think, to get him eligible. They didn't know if he was going to play or not, I think. I don't remember. I think he might have even played for, like, the last four weeks um, to res- like to keep a red shirt. Um, gotcha. But uh, I remember correctly. I think he had, like, eight or ten tackles. So he got a little bit of playing time towards the end of the year. But, um, yeah, so anyway, I think they've got four guys that will be able to play at the SEC level. And that's not including recruits that we haven't seen yet that, um, you know, might be able to step in in a pinch, too. Right. Yeah, so... Um,
0: yeah, I think four guys is, is good at the cornerback position, um, especially when we play, we already play a safety heavy defense, so we don't actually go to the true traditional nickel with, you know, three corners on the field all that often because we already have three safeties on the field and the star, um, kind of plays that corner safety linebacker hybrid. but we'll talk about that when we preview the safeties, but, you know, having four guys for two positions, um, you know, we're at least starting to get to the point where we, ideal. Um, you know, other than those four guys you named, we have two freshmen, I think, um, Shamar McNeil and Nicholas DeLoach. And I think both of them were three stars. The one thing I will note, um, you know, I don't know a ton about either one of them. I'm not going to pretend to be a corner expert. But the one thing I'll note about Shamar McNeil is that um, I did see today that Chris Abrams Drain called him the future of Missouri football and said that he thinks McNeil is going to see the field this year. Um, so that's, you know, big praise from one of the most talented players on the on the team. Um, for for a, a three star freshman, so there is something yeah. to be excited about there, and you know, hopefully, yeah.
1: And hopefully I think there McNeil was a report. Doesn't need to play, but right. And I think um, on McNeil, I think there was a report uh, on Power Mizzou maybe that came out a few weeks ago that uh, coaching staff had mentioned him as a freshman that had really, uh, really kind of shown himself uh, early on, and I think he's. I mean, if you take a look at his. Um, He's very long, which is obviously very much like Chris Abrams' drain. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like you said, hopefully he's not having to play, you know, during important downs in 2023. Um, But if he's somebody that you can get in there and, you know, like say you're beating Memphis by three touchdowns and he can start to get some experience, keep his red shirt, then I think that's something that uh, could go a long way to making sure he's prepared next year because I have a feeling we're going to probably – after uh, this year, we're going to have a couple openings at the corner position if everything goes as planned. Right.
0: Yeah, I think there's a there's a chance one, two, and three are open, but um, at least one and two. I have no definitely one and two. I think Abrams, Drain, and, and Rakestraw both can come back if they want. I don't expect either one of them to come back. Um, yep. So, you know, I think we do need to. That is a position that definitely needs to to develop depth um in those in those blowout games. So I think both both DeLoach and uh Neil need to be getting time. Um Clark needs to be getting time. He's he's fairly young, I think. You think he played a year or two at Miami. Um mm-hmm. so he'll he'll stick around another year, I'm sure. But um you know get get yep. those young guys some some reps and um you know, especially in those in those blowout games when most of those, most of those teams, when you're blowing them out, are actually going to be throwing the ball still. Um, you know, True. they're going to be working on things just as much as you are. So they'll still be playing the full offense and, and um, you know, throwing the ball. And so it gives those guys good – those corners especially good
1: experience. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, I will say this too. When you look at cornerbacks – well, really when you look at the defense as a whole last year, uh, I think probably its biggest strength was that there was not really a weakness, um, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I didn't really, there wasn't really a position last year that, you know, really stuck out as just a, you know, an absolute top-notch group uh, when it comes to, you know, overall, um, you know, talent or whatever defenses in the, in the, in the country, definitely not the SEC. And I think that, um you know, for the, the defense to take the next step, there's going to have to be a position group that kind of asserts itself as the dominant piece of the defense. And, you know, you take a look at our corners last year, Chris Abrams, Drain, Enish, straw. Um, This is according to pro football reference. I don't think Chris Abrams Drain had a single turnover last year. He didn't get an interception. There were no forced fumbles. Um, and so that's somebody that, you know, he's going to try to make his mark as a first round pick and, if he wants to become that and if our defense is going to take the next step and be a top 20 unit, um, then we're going to have to get a little more, I think, turnover production on, on uh, you know, the outside there with uh, Abrams Drain and Rake Straw. So that's the one thing that's my big question mark for them is obviously we've seen uh, what they did last year. Can they improve upon that and really become, you know, a part of the defense that when somebody comes into town, they say, well, the one thing we can't do this week is throw the ball because – they're going to, they're going to be all over us. So um, mm-hmm. that's the one question mark I have. I don't, I mean, do you think they're going to be ready to take that next step or do you see them having a similar year to last year?
0: Well, I think
1: that, um,
0: I think it was Rakestraw and Dalen Carnell had a little exchange on Twitter a couple weeks ago that I think was kind of telling. Um, again, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend to be a, a defensive scheme expert, um, but Carnell was kind of giving Rakestraw crap about having as many interceptions and rake straw basically fired back well if i was playing your position and you know was the one that was supposed to be jumping the routes i'd have a bunch um, and so i think that not that not that the de- defense was designed to not give rake and abrams Drain opportunity for interceptions but i think that um, other guys were in better positions to do that i do think that you know, if if we want to take the next step and start winning winning more games, you know we're going to be in some some closer games with some of these better teams. You know, we're going to have to, you know, Ames Drain and Ricks are going to have to play the game of their lives against Tennessee for us to beat Tennessee. Right. You know, against that Josh Josh Heupel offense, you got to shut down the outside, and going to have opportunities for jump balls. They need to come down with least once or twice you know turn the tide of right. the right um, exactly in in some of these games you know depending on the offense in all reality people aren't going to be throwing to Chris Abrams drain because he's going to have the the um you know the reputation of being the best corner so they're going to look away from him you know it's kind of like Darrell Revis had seasons where he didn't have many interceptions and it was because nobody threw to that side of the field so that's going to happen. I'm not, you know, if if it comes to the end of the year and Abrams Drain still doesn't have any, you know, didn't have any interceptions this year, it'll depend, you know, because he was getting burned or was it because nobody was throwing at him.
1: Yeah. Yep. That's true. I just, you know, you take, I take a look at last year and I think, I mean, we obviously we lost to Kentucky 21-17. We had two leads late and they mm-hmm. scored they scored on us. Both of them were passing plays to wide yep. receivers that caught it and ran. And, yep. you know, look, our defense was obviously the strength of the team. So I'm not trying to get, you know, knock them by any stretch of the imagination. They kept us in virtually every game, probably with one exception being Tennessee. But for them to take that next step, it's got to be, okay, not only are they keeping us in every game, they've got to mm-hmm. win us a game. So, oh, yeah, we're up we're up by four against Kentucky. Okay. Like you said, Don't make a blind doesn't have to – doesn't he doesn't have to have four or five interceptions but oh they throw it up to their top receiver chris abrams drain needs to go get the ball and win the game for us because he's Mm -hmm. clearly one of our best players so that's just the you know that's the one thing that i look for is like you said maybe it's not interception maybe it's a forced fumble maybe it's you know breaking up a pass at the right time but for us to take the next step and for the defense to win us games not just keep us in them um, right. I think these are two guys that and, and, you know, too, I wouldn't be bringing it up as a possibility if they didn't have the talent to make it happen. So, um, you know, I think they're two guys that are extremely talented that could be top, you know, one, you know, definitely day one or day two picks in the NFL. And if they're yeah. going to get there, they're going to have to have, like you said, two or three games where um, they come out, play the game of their lives and and change, change it for us. So I think they can do it. Um, but that's my big question is, can they take that next step? And like you said, hey, we're in it against Tennessee, and it's middle of the third quarter. And, uh-oh, here's a big interception that, um, you know, gets us the ball back already up three points. And now you've got a, a, a real shot at a victory. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and, I mean, just to go back to Tennessee
0: again, I guess, you know, Joe Milton is going to be – throw the ball up. You're going to have opportunities. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Got to prove that he's, you know, accurate enough to deliver it to the receiver. And so they're going to have their opportunities. And so it'll be it'll be good. Um, or it'll be fun to watch, I hope.
1: Yeah, fingers crossed. But I think uh, it should be fun to watch. The defense is, I mean, primed for a big year. And hopefully these two guys are ready to lead the way
0: so um I think that's that's
1: about it for the corners
0: um anything else you want to you want to say before we sign off
1: well um hey we've already mentioned Tennessee Tennessee got slammed with uh 10 million dollars in fines loss of scholarships loss of uh, unofficial visits so uh I thought that was some news probably worth mentioning I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but uh, beyond that, that's really what, it, uh, what did they what did they do again? They,
0: they got slammed. They were with, paying players it, and with McDonald's, they were paying players card.
1: and yeah, yep. Yeah, and uh, that's that's the,
0: that's a lot worse than uh, a tutor taking a math test for a backup offensive yeah. lineman.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now I will say, Coach Pruitt got a six-year ban. Show cause. He cannot coach in NCAA for six years. He of course said that the only reason why he did it is because he was so traumatized by the George Floyd um, incident. Uh, I don't know how those two are connected. But that's, <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> we have to get that's, we, we 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 won't get political, but I just have no idea how how, how that's connected to giving his players money in McDonald's bags. Um, but yeah, but, so he can't coach for six yeah. years, ten million dollars in fines, effectively. Um, they can only bring unofficials on during two weekends this entire season, the entire year. Um, okay. Which I think uh, is probably you won't see right away, but definitely underclass recruits will be tougher for them to get. Um, and they lose scholarships. I think they lose like thirty-six scholarships over the next five years. So, um, I don't know for sure. I, I don't mind not getting a bull ban. I think it's ridiculous when they punish kids for stuff that happened while they weren't there. Um, right but you know i think they were pretty hefty uh you know, pretty hefty penalties considering how little the ncaa has done over the last basically since the mizzou punishment of course
0: the only the only thing i would would say about a bowl ban i think for the most part he probably would have preferred a bowl ban over the scholarship production i think a scholarship production can hurt more except if guys to do something stupid and go 12 and 0 this year if
1: they had then had a bowl ban <laughs> and, then, and they miss out on the on the playoff that would have been would something. Have been. chef's kiss
0: we, <laughs> uh, we have 10 and 2 georgia who lost to tennessee uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would have been fun tennessee can't play in the in the postseason that would have been hilarious but i in principle, I do agree with you that I, I, I hated when they punished kids that weren't there. I, I actually wrote a paper about it in law school. And so it was one of my main points was the NCAA was all screwed up because they were punishing kids that, you know, some of them weren't even in high school yet when the, the incident happened. So, yeah. But, but, yeah, so that's been it for episode 10 of Tailgate Talk 6Com Sports Podcast. We'll be back uh, probably later this week or maybe early next week with another. Definitely later this week. Yeah. Yeah. All right.